Welcome to the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. You're listening to Emma Bell, and I believe that true healing starts with sharing. Welcome to this week's episode of Vulnerability Rocks, and I am so excited to have the wonderful Wendy, aka Completion Coach, on the show. And she's one of my faves, and she was my coach last year for five months, six months, and really helped me to unblock quite a few things. So I'm really happy that she's come on the show today to talk to us about her story and also um, to give us hopefully some tips on how to help ourselves a bit more. So Wendy, welcome. Quite the intro, thank you. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> so how are you? Really good, thank you. Yeah, at the moment, really good. Braving the cold in the UK, but apart from that, mm, all is well. Yeah. Is it grey today or is it rainy today? Grey. It's just really grey. cold, really frosty, really cold. Mm. Not the weather you want to go out when, which is lucky because we can't go anywhere. Oh, I know. <laughs> God, I hope this um, lockdown eases soon for everybody. Yeah. Um so today I would like to talk to you. First of all, I'd like to ask you a few questions about what led you to do what you're doing now. So you are the completion coach. So tell, first tell us about what you do now and then let's talk about how and why you kind of arrived at where you're at now. Definitely. So completion coaching is completing on old stories, completing on our truth completing on what we need to let go of in order to move forward rather than a to-do list. Lots of people think I might be a productivity coach. I'm not. <laughs> Although she I she never gave me a to-do list, actually. <laughs> far more wild um, in what comes up. There's no predetermined route. There's no scripts. There's no predetermined homework. It is very much about people really establishing where they really are, where they are, what stories they have that somehow or another play out in their everyday lives still, or cause them to make a judgment on themselves about what's possible. Mm -hmm. We're working with that and finding an actual truth rather than a perceived old story that we previously gave our agreement to. Uh, we're able to then dismantle some of that to make sure that we can create space for what we do want, how we're going to create it, and who we want to be, mm -hmm. because we have freedom to choose every single day who we want to be, uh, and sometimes we forget that. So, yeah, that's what I do. It's very much into more and more, not just mindset, but a lot more into the woo, we might say now. So if people see me face to face, then there might be a tea meditation ceremony there might be some energy work there's a lot of crystal work mm. everything intrigues me everything intrigues me and anything and everything about where the stars were when we were born to how and what we need to overcome in this lifetime to mm. cut our bonds to the things that really restrain us that's quite a long answer, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. And uh, we talk. I'm excited to talk a little bit more with Wend about the woo-woo side in a, in a bit, um, because you know, I love the fact that you're inquisitive about everything and that you say that because I think that leads us open to the opportunity for change, right? Because otherwise, we stay in this tunnel kind of vision thinking. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I describe it to people as until a certain point in life, it's almost like we have a right move filter on. And it's like people like me look at places in this postcode between this level and this level, and that's all we ever see. Uh, and eventually we start to push out the parameters a little bit and start to open our minds to more possibility. Um, we don't have to agree to everything that we are curious about. But if we're not willing to be open to hear about it, at least, to investigate it or to at least take a moment to consider it, mm -hmm. uh, then we do have a really narrowed view of the same thing, which is why we repeat the same cycle over and over again. Hands up, mm -hmm. go back. That's how I got into this work. Yeah. Uh, through being that person myself. So it is very much about curiosity, seeing what is possible rather than what isn't. Yeah. And I, my first, um, my, my first exposure to Wendy was <laughs> when I, I bought your journal, your Making It Happen journal. And um, I read, obviously, some of your intro pages, and a lot of them spoke to me in so many ways. And I'd love you to share a little bit more about that part of your journey. And because it was like reading pages from a diary that I could have written, which shows me that it can be lots of people's story as well so I know that a lot of people will resonate with parts of your story too so could you share with us kind of your your journey to where you are now um the journal that making it happen journal is how I accidentally fell into coaching for a start and into what I do but the journal came about because around the age of 32 um I realized I was having what we'll call as a life crisis uh, I was numbing out with booze quite a lot, not on a daily basis, but every weekend, come tick, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, you know, Sunday lunchtimes, I was going to the opening of an envelope, we could say I would go to any party, any invite, I was in a relationship and had just brought a house, yay, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I decided literally that that wasn't for me anymore, um, had had one of the worst experiences in a breakup scenario a lot of it I have to take responsibility for in hindsight myself mm. I was a mess mm. um, and the reason I was a mess is because I didn't know myself I had loads and loads of thoughts about myself that other people had given me and actually I wasn't really keen on my own behavior mm -hmm. I wasn't somebody that I actually liked very much and I was such a people pleaser, such a person that had to fit in, that squashed her opinion, uh, that was spending money like water. Um, I remember buying a, bo a book called The Shopaholic uh, and realizing that that was exactly my life. I was a financial advisor at the time, uh, but I was spending money all of the time, again, to numb out, to shop, to get that hit that when this comes, I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and when that feeling wore off a little bit and I didn't feel better, I would order something else. And it was ridiculous, um, the amount of stuff I was buying. It was all on credit card. Um, and yeah, generally, I, when I wasn't out pretending to have a good time, I was quite often sat at home just wondering what I was going to do. 
and I sort of realized that I had started off aiming in one direction and had somehow coasted completely over somewhere else and I didn't even know how I'd got there mm-hmm. um so yeah I was completely and utterly at that point I'm gonna say on my knees but I wasn't at what people call rock bottom I was just not sure I felt like everybody else had a manual for life and somehow they'd forgot to post mine out <laughs> as I was you know, I was going to eight weddings a year everybody's announcement of children everybody doing something and I was just like whoa I don't actually know what I want mm. how did you feel at that time confused um like I was a letdown massively to who like I suppose to a degree to my parents Mm -hmm. but to myself I was just like I don't know what everybody else seems to know Mm. um and just generally in comparison massively in comparison Mm. of um even societal rules at that point I was obviously I'd got to about 33 at this stage I was unmarried (laughs) not having children and at every family event being questioned left, right and centre, like what's going on, what's going on, you're going, you know, your eggs will explode if you don't do something soon. Um, are you a lesbian? What is there something, oh, is there wow. a big story that's to come out, you know? And this isn't intentional in the sense that generationally they were just confused. Yeah. Um, and so was I. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know the answer to any of these questions you're asking me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would be uh, aggressive rather than just answering with them I don't know I'd be really stubborn and I'd be like I'm not doing it in spite of you Um, so then I was just at the point where I was like I'm making decisions now just to annoy people they're Mm -hmm. not even my decisions still so I'm still coasting because I still don't know what I want Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest I had no understanding whatsoever about the power of our mindset yeah. nothing like that had ever been mentioned to me um and yeah it just did not cross my mind that I could change my mind isn't that mad like and I and I re- I, res- I resonate with that part like there's a we can change our mind and that's like it's quite a uh, revolutionary thought for quite a lot of people actually to come to yeah. this sort of like well actually yeah I can do a complete 180 if I want and it's okay um but the lack of permission that we have around it it's definitely something that you know I've gone through and you helped me work through is like wow I can just switch if I want that's okay well isn't gonna just like implode (laughs) but for some reason it feels that way it feels like yeah and it's like those old agreements I'm just like, well, I don't agree with that anymore. So I'm just, I just don't give it my agreement anymore. That's not okay. Um, and within that as well, just deciding. I mean, it, it unsettled friendship groups. Um, it unsettled lots of different things for me. But in doing so, it just opened up an entirely new world. Mm. But the idea of withdrawing my permission that I agreed with something that I didn't really agree with it was somebody else's opinion or thoughts or story about me um yeah it it feels massive and in fact it's tiny but at the time of learning it and starting to implement it yourself and do it in real life it feels really scary 
Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people do that as because they're conditioned to do the things that we've been brought up to do or other people's ideas of what success is get put on us. So we just Mm. suddenly get bound by this framework, like completely tangled up in it. Yeah. Um, And it and it runs deep. And this is um, the interesting thing that I'd like to talk to you about. So what sorts of messages in this time of transition were you telling yourself? So what was your inner bully like telling you when you were trying to make these changes because it is it can become a place of conflict when we're going through change as well and we have to do some real internal gymnastics like to get around this stuff massively I mean the inner critic voice and the mind are both preconditioned to keep you safe Mm. but they have absolutely no idea what safety is Mm. Uh, safety to the critic in the mind is to do what you've always done Mm -hmm. Uh, to stay within the parameters of where you've always been to toe the line of what you think because it knows that you have survived till now Um, and even if there have been awful conditions or terrible stories um, which mine weren't uh, considerably but over and over again even if there's unhappiness or numbness at the end of it they still go well you survived it and if you do something different, we don't know what the outcome is. So we're going to try our best to talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the well-meaning parents who are just like, whoa, people like us don't do things like that. Come on, let's get you back to thinking what you used to think. Let's get you, you know, can't we just find a nice boy and marry you off? You know, people say these things, not necessarily in spite of us, but because they think it's all, you know, what's the word? When are you going to settle down? Yeah. One of my favorites was always, when are you going to grow up? Uh, and that was said to me repeatedly in my early 30s. Or, well, you know, Peter Pan, when are you going to grow up? And I'd be like, well, what is growing up? And yeah. in their mind, it was settling down. It was getting a partner, marrying them and having children. It was the only route that was considered grown up. And another one that still, you know, irks me a lot, and I talk about it a lot, is with not having children, the people saying to me, you will never know what love is. Really? People say that to you? Mm. On more than one occasion. And there's lots of people that do. Like, I didn't know what true love was until I had my child. And they would be like, this pity party. You're never going to know what true love is. You're never going to um, be selfless. You're too selfish to have children. And in all of those, again, mixed messages coming through to me, I was there was the concern, like, am I really selfish? Will I never know what love is? Um, it's a lot of information to process, even in your 30s as an adult, let alone younger people. Um, Yeah, so it was a wild time where I was constantly challenging myself as to if I was going mad, if I was becoming a bit... (laughs) uh, Like people would say, oh, what are you up to now? What are you into now? because I was finding out about mindset stuff or, you know, journaling, something like that, and especially then meditating. Mm. Well, you're freaking out, babe, what are you doing? Like, what's this nonsense you're into? That's a bit culty, that's a bit mad. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, really wasn't mainstream. It really wasn't for people like me to do any of those things. I was supposed to open a bottle of Chardonnay, uh, you know, light a fag and slag the world off, but get on with it. Mm-hmm. So you've just blown me away with the comments you've received about um, 
children and mm. choosing to parent or not to parent um because it is a choice and if you well I say it's a choice <laughs> look at me right I want to <laughs> but I can't right right now like you know maybe it will come for me but so it's not a choice it's not as easy as I will or I won't because then there's things that come in the way but what I'm trying to say is the intention mm. it's all the complete lack of intention I didn't set out to not have children yeah but in the same breath I've never actively gone out of my way to have children yeah uh, and then there came a point where I was like actually I just don't think that's for me not because I don't love kids I do love kids and there's kids in my life that I'm really grateful for but it just you know it's not something I was like it you know, some people are very much like they know from a very early age, like the one thing I want to be is a mum. Yeah. And when people used to say that around me, I'd be like, wow, how do you know? Yeah. How do you know? But I'm also <laughs> not predetermined to get married because there's people that are like, I've been planning my, like my wedding since I was six or whatever, and they talk about it and that's what they really want. And I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah. Not that I don't want a committed relationship. I do but I don't want marriage yeah. not because I'm anti-marriage, but because it just doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, but finding that out took me uh, like some real time to go into it and see whether I was weird, <laughs> whether it was something wrong with me, if I was broken or, you know, where these ideas had come from. But in reality, it's just like, well, I don't deeply desire either of those things. Yeah. There's no point. <laughs> Uh, bullying myself or pushing myself to try to achieve them to make other people feel better about me of course absolutely not like this things like anything anything big in life where you live what country you live in um what clothes you decide anything anything at all who you decide to have a relationship with it is never something and I know that it's definitely I've grown up with ideas of how I should be it's all this shoulding right we should on ourselves and people should on us like you know they should on us they should, on us. <laughs> they should on us and we should on ourselves and actually I've been very guilty of shoulding on other people all of the all of the yep. damn time right I've done a lot of shoulding <laughs> on myself on others and I've received a lot of shoulding and yeah. actually it's it's um it just because it just one person's path doesn't define everyone's path and it comes to the same with marriage children buying a house working for yourself working as an employee whatever it is right just blows my mind that people come in with such strong comments like you will never know xyz because you didn't do xyz massively and people that still meet me like bear in mind i'll be 42 in march and people still say to me all the time it's not too late you could get your skates on and I'm like, wow, I'm <laughs> I'm not even talking about it. Why is this coming up? Oh my gosh. And you know, and there's two things to that, right? Like um one, it shouldn't be something someone says to anyone anyway. But two, yep. regardless of where your personal preference is, the person delivering that may not have full insight into what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. So if you look at you and I, I'm I'm about to be 40 it's like someone coming up and saying that to me and not knowing the history. You just don't know what you're going to, what bit of glass you're going to smash your foot through. 
Do you know what I mean? No. But the point is, one way or another, I guarantee you'll put your foot through some glass somewhere. So just don't do it. Hugely. Hugely. It's just... Well, just don't do it. <laughs> but I think, if I'm honest, I mean, we have such a big conversation around don't comment on women's bodies anymore. Mm. But you're still people's... All the time, congratulating people for losing weight. All of the time, even even, and they think they're doing a really good thing, telling you mm-hmm. something nice. Mm-hmm. It's so ingrained in people that it's like it's such a a passing comment. And then if if you were to say, I just would prefer you not to pass comment on my way, then I, you know, rolling eyes like you can't you can't do anything to help you out. And I think it's such a a passing comment on women mm-hmm. still to say, when are they coming? You know, people get married and immediately you're asked when are the babies coming. You have one baby and the next minute they're asking you when the next one's coming. Now, I have done that. And yeah, I have done I that. Have. Definitely. When someone's had one, I say, oh, you know, would you have any more? And it is that sort of assumptive, assumptive um, picture. We've been brought up with those questions very naturally at the dinner table. Yeah, you know, in every at bus stops in front of people, um, and quite often, they're questions we kind of brush away, but never actually bring attention to the fact that I don't want you to comment on me that way. Yeah. So we've never been shown or seen to believe that there's anything wrong with it. No. And as I say, there's big movement now about don't talk about women's bodies. I think there's still less, uh, less comment on the fact that we need to stop asking people mm. full stop about their preferences about children mm-hmm. yeah. um, and making assumptions um, thinking that we know the answers or why they've got the answers or what might be behind it but one way or the other it's such a complicated subject mm. and sometimes people just don't have the answers Mad. Mm. so So this period (laughs) of your life came and um, you said that you had just bought a house and you were in a, was the relationship a long, were you in a committed relationship at the time? Yeah, we were five years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you decided to just switch things up. Yeah, I think I had a knee jerk moment as well um, because the the split was really messy in the end. but yeah, I, it was very much so I don't want this house. I don't want to be thinking about, as a, as everybody was asking, children, babies, marriage. Um, it was all very much like, I don't want any of that. My job, I wasn't unhappy with, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and all in all, I was just like, I'm, I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. And I don't know how to get out of it or what to do. And so I did the typical thing of throw everything out of the pot and get drunk. Oh. Mm. Uh, and at the time I was smoking, I was smoking a lot, facing mm. um, the garden, trying to work out what I needed to work out and getting no answers whatsoever, surprisingly. Um, and then started to read some books and look into mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, one of the first books I picked up for me was The Power of Now. Mm. And I just went, 
I've got no idea what this is about whatsoever. It's such a hard breed. It's so far removed from me. This isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I went back to just getting on with getting through every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd say that's how I'd lived for quite a while, just getting through. Tick the day off. You know, I did another day. Great. I've been to that party. I've been to that dinner. I've done whatever. I've ordered these things off of the internet. Mm. Um, And then I read um, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olsen. It was one of my first ever books and I just went, oh, that makes total sense. Mm. Every single slight decision I've made, every single yes or no that I've given, every single time I've done something on repeat, I have created my life. Mm -hmm. I've created my thought pattern and I've created my reality. Um, And from that, now I need to start working on just every single decision, every single thing I give agreement to, every single thing I say no to, to work out where I really want it to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I got a coach um, Mm -hmm. shortly after that. And see, no, I created the journal before I got a coach. So that's a lie. I created the journal um, because it was keeping my mindset in check. But I had loads of lists around the house where I was ticking things off. And this was just one place to come and keep a record of what was working for me. And it was a really simple journal. Mm. Then I self-published it um, just because I couldn't find one on the market that that was something I could use. Uh, and popped it on sale on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Then I got a coach. Uh, Then I realized I was really fascinated with seeing people make changes, not so much making journals. And then I took my exams to coach uh, and started doing the work there and bringing that through and went full time in it. So the, the level of dissatisfaction that I hear coming through when you're telling me about this place in your life I think lots of people will be able to resonate with that and then moving into how life is now how do you feel now completely different person Mm. yeah um in the matter of changing my mind not my salary I cleared my debt I spent time on my own and really got to grips with what I wanted what my idea of living was and how I wanted to be who I wanted to be in situations I gave up drinking um, and realized I only ever used it as a confidence crutch because I Mm. didn't have the confidence to be in the room with people let alone talking and I used it to elevate myself to be a bit of a clown Um, because if people were laughing at me it made me feel a little bit easier. Mm. Um, and to now, you know, I couldn't be more content. Mm. Um, have so much fascination going on in my life. So many hobbies, which is something I didn't have yeah. other than going out. Um, some really deep, really wonderful friendships with such a vast array of different people. Um And yeah, just a really happy, settled relationship. And I have no desire to know where I'm going to be in five years' time. I so enjoy having no attachment 
to where it takes me but just knowing I'm I'm on the right path so I'll go where I need to go and a lot of um self-help stuff so the first time I got kind of exposed to any kind of self-development and I do it in air quotes because Mm. my understanding and my belief of self-development now is so very different to what it was when I first got exposed to it in 2005 um it was all about bigger, better, more, do, all about the doing, um, mm. all about the action. And don't get me wrong, you need you need some of that, but it was all about that. And yeah. it, um, no matter what, at any cost, at any consequence, you know, um, it, just all of it, you know, uh, don't ever quit. You know, it was all of this type of self-development stuff that was really I was kind of inhaling in around 2005 so it just kind of fed into that performing must perform harder not honoring anything other than the positive PMA the positive mental attitude right it's all about that and if you come at me with any negative negativity I've got no space for that so it it for me it created like this you know, if anybody was negative, they're a waste of my time. Like, don't be negative, get out of the way. You're just in the way of success. Like it was that. And I, and I think a lot of people were exposed to that side of self-development, you know, Massively. 15 years ago. And that is in some people's minds, still a bit of, of their idea of what self-development is now. Yeah. And false positivity. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, There's, do you know what? the coaching industry is one that I struggle massively to be in I'm not gonna lie it's it's really hard because there is so much nonsense um there is so many sales tricks there's so much that's thrown down people's throats sometimes of what you have to do that it makes me want to go I don't want to be in this industry Mm. It's a struggle, but there are good people in it. There are good people in it. There's always going to be some people that are um, rogue, let's say, uh, and use some of these NLP tricks to sell rather than to use it to expand the mind. But realistically, uh, well, my logo says it all. I think it's 50% to be and 50% to do. Yeah. Half of the stuff that we need to do doesn't actually require us to do anything. It requires us to be a certain way. And one thing I'm passionate about is everything being doable in your normal day. Not that you have to have hard hours out to really work on yourself every single morning or you're failing. But you have to get up at five or God forbid you're not productive. You're never going to be a successful person. Or that success is being self-employed. Success is being this thing. Um, There's so many ways to be in service. Every single job in the world is in one way. Uh, There's so many ways to be, but you have to really learn who you want to be and how that looks for you, Mm. not how it looks for somebody else. Um, And that's why I always use abundance looks different on everybody. and abundance is so many things. It's mm. not just money. But we are sort of sold the uh, the coaching lens of you'll you'll be abundant, you'll never work again, and you'll be you know racing around the world doing whatever, and you'll never have stress in your life. And I'm like, well, mm. in reality, <laughs> yeah. 
that we all have stress. We all have problems that come out. We all have arguments. We all have days when we feel like we're in a funk. We all have things that give us a wobble. But the reality of what you want can still remain the same. Mm. And that just requires you to show up a little bit every day in one way or another to approach conversations differently, to approach your finances differently, mm. to approach your job with a different mindset rather than find a new job. Mm. Um, there's so many things that people need to uncover and often what people look for is something over there. And when I get there, then I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's backwards. You have to be who you need to be to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But quite often people want the remedy to be a new job, a new relationship, this person changing, my lottery win, rather than actually, I don't need any of those things in reality. But if I say it's that, I don't actually have to address what I need to do. Yeah. It's a brilliant distraction tool. Uh, So people will say to me all the time, Wendy, I'm doing all of the things, you know, I'm applying for the jobs, I'm on the dating sites, or I've got rid of my partner, or I've done this, or I've done that, or I'm playing the lottery every week. Um, But nothing's going my way. And I'm like, because they're not the things you need to look at. Mm -hmm. So irrelevant. You know, the job you're in could be the right job once you've worked on you. Yeah. Or could establish that it doesn't support your happiness and find something else but you're pinning your hopes on that determines your happiness or determines who you are and that's just not true yeah going external right and we've all done it (laughs) um yeah we've all done it so what would be to somebody that is listening to this thinking yeah that's how I felt when that is that was me I was just in this funk and of dissatisfaction and you know even to the point you know saddens me you know that um you went through that phase where you were like even questioning if you were the mad one like am I mad because am I weird because I don't want these things you know that people are putting on you if people are in that place what would you recommend is a good place to start for people i always come back to journaling Mm. Um, and not necessarily buying a journal um, that's guided but a blank pad and asking yourself some questions Mm. uh, and writing down what the story is you're telling yourself um, writing down where you think your life is going Mm. how you think you've got to where you've got even evaluating you know how happy am I in uh, my work how happy am I in my relationship? How happy am I um, in the way that I show up in friendship groups? Mm-hmm. And when we look at them all individually, we can see, well, what it, what isn't great about it? Mm-hmm. Rather mm-hmm. than it being the other person, but looking at our role. Yeah. Rather than looking at the job, why don't I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about the, why did I take it? Why did I get into it? Why was this the thing I wanted once? Why did I want it so bad? And trying to remember why we've took the directions that we've taken to really, really get a pinpoint on where we are and why we got here. Mm-hmm. Because if you can look at that and look at what um, really drove the decisions, because you chose every one of them at one point or another, why they no longer offer the satisfaction you thought they would, what it is that you want to feel and how you show up in them. 
you know a lot of people even say to me it's my relationship and I'm like well how do you show up in it who are you in it yeah uh, and when they come back to that they've already got one foot out the door so actually they're not being a very nice person in their relationship they're moaning about the yeah you know they're saying that there's no love but I'm like you you don't offer any yeah <laughs> so I don't understand what you're expecting to receive at the moment because you're you're literally saying I don't want this um there's there's so many things but once we look at how we're showing up somewhere and start to look at our behavior our role in it mm -hmm. our choices our language then we're able to start to have a look at what we do want mm. so many people think it's going to be um you know i'm going to sell up and move to this different country and meet this kind of person and then have this kind of life and one thing people don't do in this whole role of wishing for that life is work out who they're going to be in it yeah because if nothing changes in you no matter where you go or who you meet or what you do you will still be the same person in that eventually yeah. when the newness wears off you will still be there and if you haven't worked out what your role is and who you want to be you're always going to be chasing your tail mm. i read this great quote um just the other day and it said something like um you know, like we can be so busy in a relationship. We can something along the lines we can be so busy uh, wanting to be chosen that we forget to stop and ask if we would choose them. Mm. And we end up in these relationships that don't serve any of our core values that don't serve because we've never stopped to even ask ourselves what these core values are. Like, so in a relationship, what do I value? Mm. We don't even stop to ask ourselves that question before we go to somebody that let's face it we don't know there's this chemistry with in air brackets you know but it's not it's not true intimacy because it can't because we don't know them and we are waiting to be chosen like waiting to be picked so but nobody's ever stopping to say would I actually pick you mm. you know do you fit my criteria right before we start getting into this massive relationship like <laughs> Yeah, and and then years down the line, we have to un unravel it all, you know, and then like, you know, rebuild it all, which is hard work. Yeah. And so often that's just validation. I want to be accepted. I want you to, mm. to accept me. I want to be the person that you choose mm. because so far I feel unchosen. Mm. Um, and again, it, it's self-worth and people don't really like to hear you've got low self-esteem or low self-worth. Mm. But 90% of people do have really low self-esteem, self-worth. And it's something you really have to exercise so frequently to keep it at a level that allows you to make decisions in the best state you possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the biggest decisions of our lives we usually make in our worst states. Oh yeah. You know, it's yeah. that moment where we're, on, we're in a bad state and we decide that we're gonna do something extravagant um to make a difference rather than looking at like I probably shouldn't make decisions mm -hmm. the way that I am I probably need to change my state and then look to make decisions from when I'm in a really good place mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's quite rare as humans we do that we make a lot of decisions from our bad places yeah yeah look at it well in crisis looking for a solution right yeah and sitting in the alternative is sitting in in it sitting in in the crap and that's hard that's hard um, you know, that's something I've definitely been guilty of over the years. Um, 
it's much easier to keep your trainers on under the table ready to run at any moment you know than it is to go oh yeah okay I'm just gonna sit in this for a bit it's really horrid and I'm gonna sit here and figure it out I mean that's hard that's hard Mm. Um, uh, I'll tell you the one key thing that most intrigued me about the coaching world as well especially dealing with uh, clients was you could work with somebody for three months when I first started and it wasn't till the very end that they would admit the thing that they were worried about because they were scared that if they admitted it in the start, we'd have to do something about it. <laughs> and that's where the key comes in. Even yesterday, um, I enrolled a new client and I said, what do you need to tell me? And she was like, nothing. And I was like, you do the, what is it that you need to tell me? And she said, I don't want to say it. And I was like, why? Because then I'm going to have to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, and I, believe that's the case for most people yeah. it's if I don't admit it I don't have to deal with it and if I don't have to deal with it then hopefully something will come along and change yeah or somebody will make the decision or something will change that takes it out of my hands and that's where we coast mm. we're always hoping for this divine intervention um right without any belief in divine intervention might I add uh, we're, we're not calling it at the time um, and we don't generally have faith in not only supporting ourselves but being supported by something bigger than us mm-hmm. and I just want to go back to one of the things you said when you went through your period of change you said it shifted dynamics within friendships and this is something that I was talking to someone about the other day and relationship is interesting right changing relationships has become somewhat normalized even to for some people when they've had particularly difficult upbringings choosing to no longer engage with certain family members is also becoming fairly normalized now and spoken Mm -hmm. about the one thing that I think is probably one of the hardest areas is when people lose friends and I'm actually starting to see that it's a point that isn't normalized as much as changing a relationship or cutting out a toxic family member yeah the shame there is shame in it because there's still things that say oh she can't keep her friends though can she Mm -hmm. you know that must be because underneath it all there's something really terrible about her Uh, rather than often our friendship groups are like even at school are because we're in the same postcode Mm -hmm. uh, because we're in the same class because we sit at the same desk not because we genuinely have a bond we create bonds because of where we are Um, also you know a lot of friendships are made in work scenarios Mm. But then there's other groups. And to be fair, because of the role that I played in friendship, which was always um, a people pleaser, always um, going with the flow. I wasn't, you know, you know, there's people that are always arranging something. I wasn't one of those. I was always being like, yeah, I'll come. Yep, yeah, I'll come. And if you weren't going, you would be questioned why. Um, but massively keenly trying to fit in acceptance yeah. looking for that acceptance waiting to be chosen mm. no different from relationships mm. uh, but never quite feeling like I belonged 
Uh, or that there were real, I suppose, because also I didn't have an awful lot to say. I was so busy agreeing with other people and taking other people's points of views or aspirations or, you know, stories into account. I didn't have an awful lot of my own. The only stories I had were stories of how bad my life was. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be join me for dinner or for drinks or whatever and have a laugh at what I'd done. Uh, and that was my escape route Hmm. when I started to think differently look at things differently uh have different conversations and talk about different interests a lot of people were just a bit like we're not interested in this and I also chose to distance myself from some people uh perhaps through shame of the version of me that they knew Hmm. um and deciding that actually I'd I didn't want to spend lots of time re-justifying my change. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose to a degree that played a huge part. I had shame and distanced myself because the version of me that I had presented to them wasn't true Mm. or wasn't somebody I was particularly proud of. Interesting. And Mm. also the part that's interesting about that is the having to justify yourself with the changes that you're making for yourself as well um yeah it it can be challenging especially when people have this picture of you that has been a certain way for such a long time um oh well x they're always the party girl they're always the x they're always this or they're always that to start showing up differently to then be kind of challenged just through them seeing you a certain way all the time can be difficult and can be enough to send someone probably back, back, back there, you know? Yeah. The whole, you're not fun. Yeah. Um, you're too serious was used, but also not drinking. Ring me when you're drinking again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Huge one. Just like ring me when you're drinking again. I don't really want to see you before then. Uh, so many people would be like, oh, you're just so judgy about me not drinking. I'm like, I haven't mentioned it. Oh, you're the one judging me for not drinking because it's making you uncomfortable that now you'd be more comfortable if I had a drink. Yeah. Um, Yeah, lots of things on that. Lots of things of people, I should imagine thinking, who does she think she is? Who does she think she is to be doing what she's doing? I can imagine that there's screenshots of my Instagram account in several WhatsApp groups of old going, who does she think she is? (laughs) I can imagine because the version of me that they were really well acquainted to, you know, was sat crying into her wine mm. uh, over the latest boy or, you know, talking about her debt or talking about the mistakes she'd made. And so to see me talking about um, making change in your life and doing all of this, they'll just be a bit like, you know, a fraud. Except you're walking the walk and talking the talk, right? So, no. <laughs> But yeah. you know, and I like, suppose because it's 10 years later, that will have died down. But yeah. it's certainly in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's kind of what I what I mean. Like I think that is um is challenging for people when they're going through change and when they're trying to throw away old stories, old, oh well, Emma is X, you know. Um I can remember when I stepped out of partying all the time, it was a lot of people going oh you know come on you know you know all of those same things and it was hard and to a degree I did sort of just bunker down for a bit 
Mm. And wait yeah. for the storm to pass, you know, or they're kind of, and, and, you know, and then eventually the people that have continued in my journey are still my friends. And then some of those friends were party friends and kind of filtered out. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the case. The people that weren't meant to stick around don't yeah. including myself in other people's scenario. I wasn't meant to hang around there either because I wasn't particularly who they needed to be around. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that's it's not just and then there's other people as they say that it's made space for other people that I'm still really good friends with who are still fascinated by me a little bit without doubt even at this point they're still sort of like looking at me with one eye to be like you do what with crystals (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I think I think it's all a bit of um the choice of saying I can either stay the same and be it's our familiarity zone not our comfort zone and be really familiar with this version of me even though I'm not particularly happy Mm -hmm. because it's not always necessarily really unhappy you're just a bit meh yeah Uh, and then there's that part of you can go actually I can go full throttle as me working out who that is along the way making changes having the best time the biggest adventures and deciding that it's worth it yeah Uh, and it really is it's worth it because if you can change your mind and change your life most people are trying to change their life to change their mind yeah Uh, and it is you know it's the same as that saying uh, for humans we tend to say I believe it when I see it Mm. Uh, and it's it's, saying no actually you'll see it when you believe it Mm -hmm. and that's the hardest thing to get your head around Mm-hmm. because with mindset work with spirituality with self-development you can't see it mm-hmm. not physically there's no certificate that comes in the post to say you, you know you're at level three now you're doing really well you've got a distinction in that you are blindly guessing until suddenly something comes along and offers you the reassurance or you're starting to have different feelings and because of the way that we operate we don't always notice that our feelings are changing mm-hmm. um and we are being swayed by other people's opinions still all the time. So it's only after a certain amount of time that some sort of confidence builds with it. And within that, you suddenly start to then just know yourself. Mm -hmm. And as that grows, it just becomes unquestionable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, the, the chatter quietens. And you can almost observe it. Whereas before you used to think it was you. And that's the thing, when my inner critic used to kick off, at no point did I think that's part of my mind, uh, that's other people's opinions, that's repetitive for, I just thought that's me, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still people all the time in my real life that obviously just think coaching is bonkers. Um, or I'm t- you're too old, I can't change now, Wendy. Um, but in the same breath, now when that critic goes off, I'm like, oh, what am I afraid of? Yeah. You know, what's scaring me about this? What do I need to work on? What is it about this that's freaking me out? Rather than I can't do it. Yeah. Which is what it used to do. So the impact is about the awareness. Mm-hmm. If I can say that to anybody, you build this awareness and it gives you the keys to so many doors because instead of going, I can't wear that, 
who am I to apply for that job? Who am I to start that Instagram account? Who am I to write that book? Who am I to do this thing? You start to just go, okay, granted, I've never done it before, but there's a reason why I'm thinking about it. What could that be? What could I learn? Who could I contact? What could change? What could make this possible rather than you're right, I'll shut that door. Yeah. It's about just, well, I've got the key. So I'll just keep trying it in these doors until I find what I need to help me get there. Yeah. And that's the main thing, the awareness, because before it was always, I just presumed that was me. Yeah. You know, and anything that other people said to reassure me that I needed to sit down and stay where I was, I took as fact. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm just like, well, maybe that's nothing to do with me. Maybe that's about what you think is possible, not what I think is possible. Maybe I just need to look at why this has come up as something that I think I need to do. Yeah. Uh, and then investigate it. And in that investigation, we get to write. I mean, let's be clear. Anything we think is made up. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from our imagination. And when I get people to write down what's going on in their head, I'm like, that's just a version of events. Mm-hmm. Write down a slightly better one. And then what about something slightly better than that? Which one do you want to focus on? Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to believe? because they are all made up, as are all of our memories. Mm. Uh, And this is what I mean, it goes on and on and on, and I could talk for hours and I know you don't have that, but (laughs) you know, the way we remember something isn't true either. The initial time we told the story probably was, Mm. but then we're doing a recollection on a recollection and we start distorting every time we retell a story. So 10 years later, that story's become a bit embellished Mm. one way or another, either because we've got really fluent at telling it a certain way or because we found that somebody laughed at that part. You know, people are a bit horrified at that part. I best not tell that in its full glory Mm. again. That doesn't sit with people well, but they seem to accept that. And we adjust. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're like, was that actually what happened? Mm. Or is that the way that it feels more comfortable telling people it happened? Mm. So the more we can detach as well from our past performance and say, well, that version of me was doing the best she could with what she had. Yeah. But knowing what I know now, I would have made different decisions, different choices, used different words. Then I'm good. I learned my lesson. Yeah. And I can move. But having regret or looking back at anything in any other way is, is wasted time. Yeah. Because the truth is, if we went back there and we were presented with the same fork in the road, you know, it's very easy to bash ourselves for past stuff. But if we were to go back there really truly and say, you know, say if I was in that position at that age with the awareness, with the tools, with the knowledge, with what I thought were my resources at the time, because there may have been others. But what I believed to be my true resources at the time, could I have made any other choice probably not right (laughs) because you made the best decision you could at the time with the information you had at the time the awareness you had at the time with what you believed to be your resources at that time and that's it belief is the main part of it at the time we believed maybe that we had no other option yeah at the time we believed that was going to be really helpful we believed that person was who they said they were we believed that job was what we thought it was there's so many things there's so many things but the thing is if it was presented today what would you do and that's the only thing that you can worry about yeah 
And, you know, if that situation, and that is it, isn't it? Because that proves that we have learned, right? Because if that situation was to come along today, we would act differently. So it proves that we have evolved. It proves we have learned and it proves that we do know other ways. But it proves the experience gave us something. Yeah. And maybe that was the reason we had to go through it. Yeah. Maybe that was so that we could become who we want to be. Yeah. Because if it hadn't happened, what would you be doing? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Crumbs change one one tiny part in my pathway. Life would not be as it is right now. And don't get me wrong. Doesn't mean it was a, a, a bed of roses, but, <laughs> you know. <I> mean. <laughs> Wendy knows um but you know like it's it's true um but it doesn't mean it wasn't difficult and I think that's the part that you know self-development now mostly the self-development I was aware of 15 years ago didn't honor that part it didn't honor the fact that things are difficult and feel heavy it was just positive, 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 positive. Let's paint a rainbow on the shit and hope the shit just disappears. It doesn't quite work like that, right? We still have to honour those parts as well to go yeah. through the growth, you know? Um, I think one of my favourite sayings that came at that time that people used to throw out and somebody said it to me recently, which made me laugh, was, all I'm hearing is problems. Where are the solutions? <laughs> I've said that. I used I've only to got say that. problems. <laughs> I've only got problems. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that to me. But it is. I'm just like, well, I know they're problems. And if I had solutions ready to hand and I was in the state to use them, I wouldn't be talking, would I? It's just like, we have to accept that a lot of people, and that, you know, people talk about victim mentality and there's lots of things. And I think sometimes it's really aggressive because victims at the time of being victims don't know they're victims. Right. They don't know, otherwise they wouldn't sit there doing it. Um, it's something they've got really used to doing and they believe it. Yeah. So attacking somebody to be like, this is real victim mentality. You can change your life. You can do this. is really oppressing to somebody that doesn't believe that's possible. They just feel bullied. Yeah. Uh, and it's about instead getting people to gently consider what else. Yeah. What do you want? why does this happen you know how do you feel what do you do mm. uh, and being able to coax them into seeing possibility well and I think also part of that is people quite often before they move forward need some sort of acknowledgement and validation of the true pain that they have gone through before yeah. they're able to move forward you can't move on and just forget it doesn't that doesn't that doesn't work you know we don't just raise stuff um but if we can validate that experience then then there's a place for that the emotions around that experience to be heard felt and seen and then people can move half the time I think when people are stuck in this what people yeah and it, it does feel aggressive to people I'm sure is this whole you're in victim mentality is because they've spent so many years being gaslit, being denied their reality of the true experience that they have really experienced. They're being told to deny their reality. So until you acknowledge their reality, they can't create a different one. Yeah. And acknowledge how it's created where they're at. Yeah, of course. Just like hold that space. And until that person can be in a safer space to have that experience, then it's you're asking someone to completely it's like punching someone in the face breaking their nose and saying don't go to hospital and get it fixed just go out and be happy 
But it's also like saying, well, it's not my fault you walked into my fist. Yeah. And, you know, and, and don't bother about getting it fixed. You know, just put some makeup on. Just let the blood run. It'll be fine. You look beautiful as you are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a lack of understanding as well in that of the validation that people require to yeah. then be safe enough to make change, right? I certainly think there's um, a lack of trauma informants in, yeah. uh, certainly years ago, uh, a trauma awareness was nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And now there's some trauma informed coaches, but there's still an awful lot that just think that that's, you know, that's not the case, let's get on. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It's always interesting to watch, but also with some of the terminology that the self-development industry might use, such as level up, another mm. pet hate, is there's an indication that you're a lesser person yeah uh, because you're not as woke as the next person um and in reality i don't think it's a matter of leveling up for anybody i think it's a matter of letting go uh the more you can let go of old baggage old stories and unravel them the more you you get to um and that's not about leveling up that's just about letting go letting things go that no longer serve you and really looking to see who you want to be yeah uh, and that's yeah it can get quite competitive with like come on girl let's level up join me and level up to mm. get to this next stage of your life and I'm like I don't think it's leveling up because it indicates I'm higher than you mm-hmm. um, and you're you've got to get to my position on the hilltop I think it's just like we're, we're all at the same level but we're all carrying different bags oh gosh yes and yeah. we're all in the same scene. Someone's got a canoe with a hole in it. Someone else has got someone else is in the Tupperware tub and all the sides are broken. Someone else is on a yacht. And you know, yeah. we're in the same sea, but guess what? Our boats are different. <laughs> and some of them are leaking and some of them are not. <laughs> um, so yeah, we um definitely need to be more curious about those things before we just kind of assume. And that's kind of maybe that's kind of the theme of our chat today. Like we just shouldn't should. We shouldn't should on people. <laughs> we shouldn't should on ourselves. And yeah. assuming, assuming that we know um, before really having all the information. Don't should by assumption. That should be, <laughs> there, there you go. Don't should by assumption. And I think that's the the, the main key is this assuming people that assume that they can't are also just in a place where they don't have the belief. That's the only difference with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because absolutely anybody can make miraculous change mm-hmm. when they believe that they can. Yeah. Uh, and there's no other secret source to that. It is when you believe that that's actually viable for me, it's possible, uh, and I'm 100% behind it, mm-hmm. then it can happen. When people are filled with doubt, like I see these people, but they're different from me in some way or another. Mm-hmm. that's when it's a real struggle for people because they believe in some way that there's a fundamental difference in them that means it won't work mm-hmm. and it's just not true yeah. yeah yeah thank you so much for our chat today moral of the story is don't should don't assume <laughs> on yourself or others <laughs> it's not cool <laughs> um wendy where can everyone find you Mainly on Instagram, uh, and that's at the Completion Coach. Um, so I'm there rambling, um, kicking off, and trying to encourage people to see their potential most days. 
and um, I highly recommend you go check her out. Um, she's amazing. She gives so much stuff away for absolutely nothing. So just go follow her. And she's also got some amazing stuff that you can kind of check out through her link in her bio of things if you actually want to um, dig a bit deeper. And I would highly recommend that you do because she's really helped me get unstuck. So thank you so much for today. Thank you. Um, from my heart to yours, you know, I think you're wonderful. And um, I've loved having you on. Thank you. I've loved it. Love you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to introducing you to my guest in my next episode. Until then, don't forget to take care of you.